Well, good morning. Good to have you here this morning. Um, just have a few questions before uh, I get into the sermon. Uh, one thing I do want to say is, you know, not that not that the Saturday night or the guinea pigs, um, there's that service, but last night, uh, you know, I planned and I've been telling you that I was going to share with you how to go through this little booklet, the four spiritual laws, and how to share the gospel. This is just one tool of many tools that are out there. And uh, last night I got it was like it starts at 5:30. At 6:30 I hadn't got to this yet, <laughs> and I was doing the in- introduction to this. Uh, uh, this with a portion of scripture that I was sharing. Therefore, I'm not going to go through this today, but hold on to these. I mean, use them uh, to share the gospel with somebody, and if you need one next week, we'll have it, we'll have it again next week. Um, but these are in your bulletin, and you'll see them, but I'm not going to get to that today, only because it, it would just take too long, uh, and you never want to preach longer than people listen. So, uh, that's, that's, uh, and you could be real gracious and you could be real spiritual now and say, oh, you can preach all afternoon and I would, you know, but, and there's like, yeah, and there's like two of you out there that would, uh, but I know, I, I know because I've been there on both sides of the uh, pulpit here. Um, the questions that I have, uh, first of all, have you ever tried to share the gospel? Uh, you know, you, you've had well, good intentions and, uh, and it just didn't go too great. You know, you either chickened out, <laughs> like you were, you were all prepared, but then you chickened out, or you kind of fumbled through it and, you know, you, you, weren't, you weren't able to do that. Any, anybody out there, just raise your hand. You ever get to that? I'd raise my hand. Um, have you ever done a good job at, at sharing the gospel, but when it came time to uh, encourage the person, hey, you want to make a decision for Christ? Or you just kind of, you didn't know how to do that part of it, you know. Uh, You've done a good job at sharing the gospel. You don't know how to, and I'm not talking like a sales pitch, not like closing the deal. Like I'm talking about encouraging the person, well, here's what you need to do then to accept Christ or or make a decision for Christ. The third one is, is, is one that you can participate in now. What was your worst attempt at sharing the gospel? Anybody have just in a, in a, succinct way, uh, something you tried and it just, it was, you know, you just took a nosedive on. Anyone have, have a, an example? Well, yeah, uh, Sheila. Okay. Oh, okay. And you, you had a difficult time approaching that. That's, well, that's one of the more challenging ones uh, you have to admit. Yes, Jim. Last night, I had time to think about this. Okay. The worst time was uh, a weekend evangelist who was in our church. He was doing actually an evangelistic meeting in our church. And uh, we were standing up, and I turned around to the lady by me and said, You Christ today. She wasn't too happy with me. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't hit you with a hymnal or anything. No. no. Oh, okay. She, she wasn't mad. <laughs> The, the two that come, come to my mind uh, for, for myself is, um, one was, I was a brand new Christian, I was like 19 years old, my dad was taking me back from Sharpsburg, back up to Slippery Rock State College, back then it was called State College or whatever, and uh, we were on our way back and I decided I'm going to share with my dad, this is a great time, we're alone, I can share Christ with him, and uh, I, so I, I shared the gospel with him, if you have Christ, I said, then, then you go to heaven, if you don't have Christ, you go to hell, and and uh, and I, Dad, I want, I really want to be in heaven with you. And I, 
we shared it, and he turned to me and said, well, Nana, which is my grandmother, if that's true, then Nana, are you saying Nana's in hell right now? Like, I didn't know how to answer that. We'll get into that next week a little bit, how to answer some of these questions and, uh, and, and actually set some of those questions aside. Um, but um, it's, it, was an hour, it was 60 minutes, you know, to get from Sharpsburg to, to Slippery Rock. That was the first five minutes. The next, the next 55 minutes, silence. <laughs> so that was a... <laughs> the other time I remember was, it's, it's kind of a goofy story, but uh, with Campus Crusade for Christ, who, you know, um, actually put this track together, the four spiritual laws, um, I was trained out in Colorado during a summer project that I was taking part of as a college student. While I was there... Uh, they were aggressive evangelists, so they, you know, they just dropped, they dropped me off at the Denver Zoo with this booklet and several others of us, and they said, go share the gospel, you know, with people that will listen. And so I'm, I wander up to a guy who's like looking at a giraffe or something, and, and I said, uh, I'm here with Campus Crusade for Christ, and we're sharing our faith with individuals. Would you have five or ten minutes for me just to go through this little booklet of how you can know Jesus personally? And he said, Sure. I said, okay. Uh, didn't sound real enthusiastic. But I started sharing the gospel with him, you know. I got to, like, the second point, and this guy in a sheet shows up, okay. And um, he was with Harry Kushner, you know. He, had, he was bald except for this little ponytail that he had coming out of the back of his head. And he has this huge book, and he hands it to the guy, right, and he interrupts us. And he said, oh, ever since I came to Harry Kushner, I have... Uh, never sinned in my life, and and so I'm, I'm like, well, you just sinned because you're a liar, you know, and and so we get in this argument, me and this Harry Krishna guy, and we're like yelling at each other, and we're trying, and the guys, and the guy turned around to us and said, look, gentlemen, I came to see the animals, and I'm, so I'm, I'm leaving. so the guy hands him the textbook, this big textbook, Harry Krishna on it, and he throws it right in the trash and walks away, and so kind of humorously, as I'm walking. Uh, I'm walking away from this this guy, and the guy die, the, the Hare Krishna guy dives in the trash can to get his get his book back. But the you know the whole thing was just it just wasn't the right timing. It wasn't spirit led, and I was just forcing the issue, and that's what happens sometimes. So if if you have shared the gospel or you attempted to, and it kind of like didn't go so well, know that you're in good company. There are many of us out there that have fumbled through. But also, do not be encouraged, and I'm hoping that this message today encourages you and prepares you then to share the gospel. This isn't the only, you obviously know this already, but this isn't the only way. This is just a four-point outline of the gospel. Hundreds of tracts out there you can share if, if you want it in writing. You don't have to even use that. You can use a napkin and, and write it out to people. But there are other components that you need to use the Word of God and and prayer and other components, and we're going to get into that today. But I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 4, because when I said you're in good company, you're in good company, because Jesus, in his first revelation that he is the Savior, one of the first times that he's indicating this to his own people, it doesn't go too well. And we're going to see that in, in this uh, portion of Scripture. And before we turn there, I'm just going to have another word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this beautiful day. 
we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us to yourself, and we want to proclaim your message uh, to our friends, relatives, neighbors, and our co-workers, um, fellow students, and we just want to communicate that gospel, and we pray that you would prepare us now for that. Use your word, Holy Spirit, just have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Luke chapter 4, and just to capture the context here, uh, this is just after Jesus had this victorious uh, opportunity of overcoming temptation in the wilderness. And now he has his eyes set on going to his hometown of Nazareth in the area of Galilee. And, And this is where we pick it up in verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. That's his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Isn't that awesome? Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I'll put the verse, the verses up here. And this is what Jesus read. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has appointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Wow. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. I love this. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began, to, he began by saying to them, Today, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What is he saying? Basically, that prophetic scripture about the Savior is him. And and, and in a nutshell, he's saying, I'm the one who preaches the good news to the poor. I proclaim freedom for prisoners. I have the ability to recover the sight for the blind. In my name, I release the oppressed I am declaring and I am proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm sure that you could hear a pin drop. Now, halfway through the verse, it seems pretty positive in verse 22. The first part of verse 22, you're like, this is awesome. Jesus is revealing himself. This is great news. There's freedom now. And so... What it says at the first part of verse 22 is everyone, all, spoke well of him. And they were amazed at the gracious words that were pouring forth from his lips. And so the next thing you think is going to happen, the next next newsprint that you read here is going to be, you know, hometown hero, the savior of the world is born into Nazareth and, and you, you think that they're going to hoist them up on, their, on their, their shoulders and they're going to carry Jesus and they're going to be chanting Hosanna in the highest and here is the savior of the world. None of that happened. 
somebody leans over and says, wait a second. Isn't this Joseph's son? What are we thinking? Jesus knows what they're thinking. Verse 23. Sadly, he says, I guess the next thing you're going to do is quote me a proverb like, physician, go heal yourself first. And then I guess you're going to ask me to um, do here in your hometown what we heard you doing in Capernaum. In other words, we want to see some miracles, magic man. And Jesus is appalled by this. In verse 24, he says this, I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Jesus, I think, heartbroken by his own people or over his, his own people for their lack of belief. And he gives them two examples. He said, let me, let me tell you something about Israel's unbelief. You want me to do a miracle? Well, God doesn't do miracles where there's no belief. And so he gives them two examples. The example number one is about widows during a drought. He says, I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet, where does God send Elijah? Elijah was not sent to any of them because of this, the crazy unbelief in, in Israel, but a widow of Zarephath in the region of Siddam. That's where Elijah ends up going and having the miracle that you well know about. And there were many in Israel. It's the second example he uses. There were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Wow. And this, and this understanding comes over the congregation in the synagogue. They know what he's saying. He's saying, you just don't have faith. All the people, in verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were what? Furious when they heard this. How embarrassing. He's, he's admonishing this group, and they're just appalled at him. Jesus is being honest with them. He's pointing out their lack of faith. Instead of them turning to faith, they're just all upset. And look at verse 29. They got up, drove him out of the town, they took him to the brow of, a, of, of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down off the cliff. I'm sorry to smile when I read that, but I, on your worst day of sharing the gospel, has anyone ever taken you to a cliff to throw you off? They say, oh, here's Dan Eloise. He's sharing the gospel. They grabbed my hand on my leg. He dragged me up to McConnell's Mills to throw me off of like a 30-foot cliff or a 40-foot cliff where they take me to the high-level bridge in Pittsburgh. And we're going to, ah, you know. That hasn't happened yet. 
Seriously, and this is my first point, because the first point in sharing the gospel, and we have to understand this, is we need to deny ourselves. We have to stop worrying. Those things, all right, so you might not be physically challenged today when you share the gospel, but we certainly are emotionally challenged. We certainly are embarrassed at times. People make fools of us when we share the gospel. And I have to say to that, get used to it. That's part of sharing the gospel is for you to deny yourself, and it doesn't matter what happens to you or how embarrassed you are or how much boldness it takes to overcome that. I have never been physically harmed for sharing the gospel, but I have been rejected. <laughs> the most severe rejection that I received was from my parents, <laughs> of, of all people. And I, I love my parents, but Linda can attest to this. We were t- there were some rocky days early in our, in our marriage when they didn't really appreciate uh, our positions in Christ. The wonderful thing was one uh, that the wonderful thing about it was that love won the day. Each of them came to faith in Christ before they died, and we are eternally grateful for that. But part of following Christ is facing the reality that we need to de- de- to deny ourselves. And Jesus said this; it was part of following Him, right? Jesus said this in Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I don't care what anyone else says. I think the biggest hurdle in the United States in sharing the gospel is to get our egos out of the way. There is something that is always going to be awkward about sharing Something supernatural with anybody. You know, any, any, what we're sharing is supernatural. This is, and I think it's awkward for us because it's like telling somebody in the elevator, you know, I saw a ghost the other day, you know, and then everybody kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're sharing, you're sharing something supernatural. So, so you, you're, you're going from like daily events and you're speaking to somebody all of a sudden about heaven. Eternal destiny. You're talking to somebody about God and sin. Things that they can't see, but they see evidence that there's a God. They see a world full of evidence that there's sin, but they don't really see it. And so it's it's a leap. It's a, you're talking. It's a supernatural discussion. And so instantly, what happens with us? Will we become vulnerable, and we open ourselves up for other people to think? You're crazy. You're, you're stupid. You're naive. Or worse, today, you're haters. So when, when Jesus said we must deny ourselves, you know what that means? It means that we have to deny ourselves. You are putting yourself out there when you're sharing the gospel. You're putting yourself out there for criticism or worse. And don't think that I don't know how hard and humbling what I'm asking you to do, um, uh, because I know it is. I've been a corporate chaplain for a year. Yesterday was my final day with, with a corporate chaplaincy. It's been a wonderful opportunity. It just has been taking too much of my time um, that I can't go to 10 locations every week, and it's just been difficult. But I know what it's like. Uh, I, I, I get rejected, but... We have to remember that it's not just us that are being rejected. 
it's the gospel that's being rejected and the author of the gospel. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said this, He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So I ought to say get used to rejection. I'm beginning to think that rejection is a key part of evangelism. Don't quote me on this, but one of my conclusions, you, you won't find us in a book anywhere, but one of my conclusions is those of you with a gift of evangelism, you just have a special immunity to rejection. It just, I'm, you know, I know a woman who has the gift of evangelism, and it doesn't matter halfway through that they think she's stupid. She just keeps going on. Oh, wait, wait, hold that thought. You know, I got two more, two more points to make yet, you know. I'd be like curling up in a ball saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, But it's a wonderful gift, but we need to push through. Because before you get too discouraged and you're thinking, well, what a point to start off on. You're telling us how hard this is, how we'll be rejected. Do not fear, because the Lord is with you, and he promised to be with you. And look what happens in verse 30. Because I think this is remarkable. Because remember, what, where was Jesus at this point? You know, they got him hand and foot. They were about to throw him. Well, yeah, that's all. Ready? One. Where they're ready to throw him off the cliff. Two. What happens in verse 30? He becomes like egg whites or oil. Or he just slips out. You know, all of a sudden, okay, see you later. I got somewhere to go. He walks through the crowd and he went on his way. It wasn't his time yet. He says, okay, see ya. Yeah. They reject, they were rejecting him, ready to throw him off and, Wait, wait, where's, I thought he was just in our hands. Where's he at? Oh, there, he, he's headed. He's, he's leaving. He's, he's moving on. Secondly, we have to understand that Jesus' mission is our mission. We say, hey, Dan, what's your mission for the, well, here's, here's our, our mission is, is Jesus' mission. And Jesus' mission, uh, we find in Luke chapter four here, our, our text today, and verse 43. Jesus spins around and he says this, Oh, by the way, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Why? Because that is why I was sent. <laughs> that's pretty succinct, isn't it? I have to preach the good news of the kingdom because that's why I was sent. If you read this whole portion of Scripture, this is remarkable to me. If you read uh, verses 31 to 44, the only ones who get who he is are the demons. <laughs> and it's just like you're reading this like it's remarkable. The, the rest of everybody else is standing around and they're like, this is Joe's kid, right? <laughs> like we're, like we're, he's talking about being a savior. It's Joe's kid. Well, look at, look at this demon say in verse, uh, 41. Ha! Huh. I don't even know if that's a, really a scripture word there, but it, huh. What do you, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? This demon says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One of God. Wow. Then verse, that was, uh, yeah, that was verse 34. Verse 41, more demons. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, 
You are the Son of God. You got that right. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak. It wasn't time to announce him yet. Why? Because they knew he was the Christ. Wow. We also see Jesus' mandate to us in Matthew 28, a verse that you know well. It's it's the one that the Christian Missionary Alliance announces over and over again. All authority, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And I have to say this, after after myself attending too many seminars on church growth, I think some of the church growth people and the church dynamics people would even have a problem with Jesus' mission here, saying, that's not specific enough. Or they would say, well, it's not measurable. Or it's not attainable. You're talking about reaching a whole and making disciples of of every nation. How, How do you get a handle on any of that? And it would be scrutinized. Whether you call it a mission or a vision from our church, our mission is to help people find Jesus and grow in Jesus through biblical worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Not for our glory, not, not just, hey, Oak Hill's great, no. For God's glory, for the glory of God, and not in our power because we don't have the ability to accomplish this, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That hasn't changed in 25 years since it's been written. Certainly our methods have changed, and they should change. Our approaches have changed and should. But our mission is to see people's lives radically changed, spiritually transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, for the here and now, and then also for them to be welcomed into the family of God and they they could spend eternity with God. And that's our passion here. Whether you call that a vision or a mission, I don't, you know, I'm a mess over that. Thirdly, vital to seeing people come to Christ, we need to pray. It's vital. Why? How does somebody come to Christ? How does somebody even come to Christ? Well, in John chapter 6, verse 44, it says something rather remarkable if you, have, if you haven't taken note of this. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's interesting. Jesus said, No one can become a Christian unless the Father draws him to me. He says this again in verse 65 of John 6. He says this. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. So what's the greatest means of seeing people come to faith in Jesus Christ? By beseeching the Father. Lord, would you open their hearts? Would you draw them to yourself? It's our prayer for our family, for our neighbors. For Lord, draw them to yourself. The greatest means we have for accomplishing our mission is prayer. I want to give you an ounce of admonishment here, if you would. Our church is a church that prays. I, I would never disagree with that. 
But we are a far cry from a house of prayer by any stretch. Our corporate prayer is so weak. Uh, you know, Denise just encouraged us, hey, let's get together on a Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock and let's pray for Cranberry. And I know most of you right away say, well, I'm at work. You know, I'm obviously not going to be there. But some of you are available. Well, two weeks ago, she came here excited about that prayer opportunity, and she was by herself. And then somebody showed up a little late, and that was encouraging, but that was it. When we were in Nashville, Pastor Jim took my place. And, Jim, and Pastor Jim is all about prayer, and he's here every week praying. But he took my place on that night, and it was just him and another woman that came for that night. I know. You are so busy. I mean, there's just so many things to do, and there, and there are. And I'm not making light of that. You have, some of you have kids. you got things going on. You had to cut the grass. you had to sort your sock drawer. You know, there's, there's things that we need to do. It's amazing to me on Wednesday night, once a year, our annual meeting, we get about 40 people. I don't know what happens on that night. It's pretty remarkable. One of these times, I'm, we're going to fake an annual meeting, and we're going to pray when you show up. That's just an ounce of that admonition, if you would. Don't drag me up to McConnell's Mills, all right? Just take a breath. It's okay. Fortunately, I know you, and I know you are people of prayer. And you, independently, you do pray, and I know that. And you pray as couples, and I'm, that is, that's wonderful also. You pray as a family. So possibly it's a matter of self-discipline, maybe an obedience issue. Maybe there's other things going on. Maybe it needs to be on a different night. There's nothing, you know, sacred about a Wednesday night over a Tuesday night or a Thursday night. But there might, maybe we need to move some things around. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to go there and hear about somebody's liver and somebody's gallbladder and, you know, it becomes an organ recital. Um, you, you want to, you want it to change. You want it to be different. And I am wide open to, to what that might be. One of the things that you have blessed Linda and I with here recently, you, you paid our way down to Nashville for us to go to the uh, council for our denomination. One of the things we attended down there was, was a college of prayer. And it's just remarkable what is happening across this nation with this college of prayer. Every church that has, they, it's like every church just scrapped their evangelistic outreach program. We're not using evangelism explosion, and we, we just kind of put that aside, and all we do is we gather together and we pray. And they've seen something remarkable. They've seen that prayer and evangelism go together. They've seen that the churches that have come together to pray, they've, they've seen this explosion in people coming to Christ. And so they, they want to promote that. And there's a couple of guys that are uh, down at the Aliquippa Church, and they uh, have made themselves available. And I'm going to invite them to come and to share with us a little bit about the College of Prayer. And it's just remarkable, the people that have come to, come to Christ just simply through prayer. So before we share the gospel, why do I even share this about the gospel? Well, again, back to the point, if anyone is going to come to Christ, it's going to become by him enabling us, the Father drawing them to himself. And so let's be people of prayer. And so if you're going to go share the gospel with somebody, be praying about that opportunity. If you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel, be praying about that. Lord, would you lead me to individuals who need you? And then share it with your spouse, share it with your prayer partner, share it with somebody else, and share it with the elders. You know, hey, would you pray for me? I'm going to 
present the gospel this week, and I'm going to do this. And, and under that prayer support, um, people come to Christ. Make sure that it's spirit-led, not like me at the zoo. You know, um, let the spirit lead you, and just let him guide. And don't. And remember this: we don't go witnessing; we are witnesses. In fact, that's how Jesus put it in Acts chapter one, uh, verse eight, when he appeared to his disciples. The resurrected Christ said, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses." He just said, "You're going to go witnessing." No, he said, "You're going to be my witnesses. Everything about your being, everything, every way you act, every every word you say, you're a witness. People look at you, and and you're the Christ that they see." And so you want to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. It is the Spirit who draws people to Himself. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the po- who who gives the power for a person's heart to be changed. It is the Holy Spirit who leads you to those who need to hear the gospel. It is the Holy Spirit who gives you the very words. Yes, we share the gospel with them, but those additional words. Those answers to questions and that, 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 that surrounding conversation, that's all from the Holy Spirit. He will give you the words when you need them. You need to rely on the Spirit. Fifth, use God's Word when you're sharing. Um, use God's Word. Uh, we, we see in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and we'll get there someday. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You and I are not going to convince anybody into the kingdom with our many words. It's supernatural. And so use super, supernatural words <laughs> to accomplish a supernatural outcome. Don't use natural words and expect it to be supernatural. There is power in the word of God. And so even brief references, you just want, even if you can't think of the reference right at the time, you say, you know, uh, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ uh, or, you know, God so loved the world. And, and if you can't get the whole quote out, I mean, you're, you're using the word of God. And I would, that's just one of the reasons I use a, a help like this, because it helps you read the, the, the verses right there. You can even have the individual, would you read that? You know, and we'll go through that next week. But it's, it's the word of God that has power to draw people to himself. And it's the, the understanding of that individual, too, is this isn't like your theology. This isn't something that you think. This is the word of God, and, uh, and there is power in that. So use the word of God. And then finally, you want to know what to say. You want to know what to say. In a nutshell, here's the gospel. First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. It's, it's such a great, succinct way of the gospel being shared. The Apostle Paul says, For what I receive, I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And so kind of in a nutshell, what, you're, what is being shared there is Our sins are forgiven by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He died for our sin. He took our place. And He was perfect. And He shed His blood for us so that now we can't work ourselves into the kingdom. There's nothing that we can do. We can't pay for our sins. But He paid for our sins. He died on the cross. And He didn't stay dead. 
He rose from the dead, had victory over death, and now we have victory over death. And so that's great news for us in the here and now. We have the power of the risen Christ in us. And so we respond differently, we act differently, we behave differently, and we share the gospel because we want to see other people released from the bondage of sin. And not only that, but we have the promise to be with him in heaven forever. And that's wonderful news. That's good news. That is the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. And so next week, because it, it takes, again, it takes quite some time just to, just to go through that so that we, um, we have a good understanding of how to communicate the gospel. And if you're sitting there saying, well, I know how to share the gospel. You don't, you know, I don't need someone to tell. Well, just kind of bear in there, bear with me so for the other people. And allow it to be like a reminder, a refresher for you. Uh, next week, is that Father's Day, right? So I'll be giving a Father's Day sermon. But I will have a part of our morning briefly going through how to share the, the four spiritual laws. And so, and dads, you can even lead in that. You can say, well, here, here's what you do, son. Here's what you do, daughter. Um, so let's, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. It is rich, it is powerful, it is life-changing. And we are so privileged, Lord, to be able to share this wonderful news with individuals. And yes, it's hard. It's difficult, even overcoming ourselves and our egos and what we think people might think of us. And Lord, we pray that you would override all of that in us. Prepare us. Give us a boldness. Use us as your vessels. Lord, if there are sin, is there sin in our lives? I pray, pray that you would deal with that this week so that we would be proper vessels and we would be able to be witnesses for you. Make us good witnesses for you, Lord. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.